Would you guys have any like you know favorite or member most memorable moments in the locker room or <laughs> none that we can say on camera? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Locker Room. I'm your co-host, Tejan Graham. Alongside me is my guy, the one, the only, Mr. Jason Little. Jason, how you doing today, man? Good, good. Today we have another special guest for you guys. Both are in their fifth and final year majoring in biology and physical education, respectively. Please welcome to Lakers Locker Room, Eric Elson and Mason Blay. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Doing well. <laughs> how have the holidays been for you guys so far? Been good, dude. A little interesting due to COVID. So I wasn't able to see like my full family, but I was able to see like my parents and my brother, which doesn't happen too often. So I was pretty grateful for that. Yeah, it's been a, it's been quiet over here. I'm back home in Saskatchewan right now. And yeah, same thing, just trying to spend some time with some family members. And other than that, it's been pretty quiet. I guess excited to start your final semester of university. I mean, it's the last run here. Well, uh, I think we both have one more year, I think, because we, we stretched it out due to COVID. Oh, so we can each have like a, our final year of ball on the court. So uh, it's going to be my last, second or third last semester. Oh, cool. I'll, so. Yeah, I got, uh, got one and a half semesters left to go. So and I got my last year of eligibility back because of COVID this year. So I'm going to run it back for a sixth year next year and see what happens with the boys. So. Anyways, um, we're going to get right into it. So, um, Eric, I'm going to start with you. You know, obviously, just like the rest of us, our season was canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. Just talk about where you actually when you found out there's no season and what expectations you have for the season, had there been one. And I was like, I mean, I was pretty bummed. I was kind of expecting it to happen. Like, we already knew the, uh, like, the, the fall sports were canceled. Like, that was earlier on in the summer. But uh, it obviously sucks not being able to play. But, like, it's a big year for development for all of us. That's like what our main focus is on. Like we, we basically get an extra year of like free volleyball and like just free workouts. Like now that like courses are online and everything, everyone has like so much more free time just to stick to themselves and like work on themselves, their bodies and everything. So I thought there was like, I'm looking more like on the benefits than the negatives of everything. So I'm trying to like, work on everything myself and become like a better person out of this year and like better athlete, better teammate. So along with the season being canceled came the new norm of online school. So being a fifth year Mason, what has been the biggest adjustment you've had to make in terms of going online so deep into your university career? Uh, yeah, online school, the first month or so was, it was pretty tough for myself just trying to get organized and learn the ropes of online learning, right? You gotta keep yourself accountable and be good with your time management. I found that the first couple of weeks you get a little lazy and you're not kind of scheduling things the way you should be. And it gets pretty hard and you get behind really, really fast. So for me, it was, it was a struggle the first month. And by the time you get the hang of it and kind of learn the ropes and kind of learn how to communicate with your profs and whatnot, it gets a bit better, but yeah, for sure. The first little bit was, it was pretty tough for myself. I'm sure Eric can, uh, can attest to that as well. 100%. For first, like, couple weeks was garbage. I couldn't adjust to anything for so long, man. It was so hard. But once you, like, get the hang of it and, like, know how to, like, manage your time out, it's, like, it, it gets a lot easier for sure. I'm sure you guys can relate, too. Yeah, it was def definitely difficult to adapt for sure. You know, I couldn't imagine some of the first years coming in, having a, you know, expecting the typical university life, and boom, 
placed online. Has it improved your grades any type of way right now? Uh, yeah, for me, my grades have actually been, been really good this year. They started off, well, I guess the first little while we didn't really have any marks to go out with, but yeah, my marks have been pretty good this year. The best they've been yet in my five-year career so far, so been pretty proud of that, and I worked really hard at kind of learning the online skill set and kind of learning the ropes of the online world. Yeah, I can uh, I can relate to Mace there. My grades have actually been the best they've ever been. Uh, once I I think that was like due to once I started to realize like I need to do this now, this then, like planning out my days accordingly and everything. Uh, yeah, it's just like time management basically with online, trying to figure everything out. Like as Mason said, just figure things out, do things as you can kind of thing. Yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me was uh, emails, actually, because you're getting about 50 emails a day and you got to read all of them. And it takes an hour to go through your emails every day. And that was that was a rough learning curve for me. That's the most stressful part, I thought, was getting like 20 Blackboard notifications on my phone every single day. It's just so stressful. You're like, what am I missing? What am I doing? If you miss one of those emails, it could be whatever, worth 10% of your mark that you don't know about, right? Yeah. And you know, it's pretty stressful trying to go through all of those. Yeah, that's the toughest adjustment too. Like, you know, you usually have teachers saying, okay, make sure you have this to come on a time and do this. Now you got to look every day on your computer and say, okay, what do I have to do today? Because imagine you you go through the whole week, you have practice, you do whatever, and then the last day is like, oh crap, I have something to do tomorrow. So that's a, that's been a big adjustment too. But but anyways, let's switch, let's switch years a little bit. Um, let's talk about last season. You guys had a solid season, a loss in the first round to a tough McMaster team. To share with us your thoughts on last season and that tough opening round loss to a great Maroodas team. Uh, yeah, I can kick it off here. Our season, so the year before, we had a pretty rough season. We were kind of in a rebuilding stage. So last year we were coming in with an underdog mentality, but we knew we were going to win some games this year and had some success. And I think we achieved a lot of our goals last year. And like, I, like we said, one of our goals was to be a playoff team. And unfortunately, we ran into a tough McMaster team. But, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta win those games. You gotta pull through, and we just didn't do it last year. But we're hoping next year, if we can play, that story's gonna be a little different. So, yeah, like definitely, it was tough losing in the first round because earlier, I think it was my first year, Mason's second year, same thing happened. We made playoffs and got kicked out by McMaster. So we kind of have like a little chip on our shoulders due to that. Like that's like every time we made the playoffs, we've got kicked out first round. So that's like something we really want to achieve is moving forward in the playoffs, like winning that OUA title. And like everyone on our team is super hungry for that too. Like we, we all believe like we're such a cohesive team and everything. Like we can definitely achieve that. And like the way we've been practicing, the way we've been working out, everyone's like, there's been this, like this, like huge determination from everyone. That's like, man, like I want to, I want to do this. And especially like, me and Mason, we have one year left of volleyball. Like, man, like we we just want to go in like strong as hell into the next season. You know, it's like we're we're excited. We're ready to go for sure if we're able to actually play. Right. I had uh, two goals when I came to Nipsing University in my first year, and I told coach my goals were to get an education and win an OUA championship. I'm getting an education, but I still need that. Still need that ring. So in retrospect, looking back at your OEA careers, for each of you, which team actually has been your toughest opponent? And what is it about that team that has made it your toughest opponent? Uh, I would say McMaster. McMaster, like, 
McMaster is the only team in all of OUA that we we haven't beaten. We've beaten every single team but them. And uh, every year, like regular season, we always have such a good like battle with them. We're always so close and then end up losing like late in the game. But uh, I think that's like, I'd say definitely the most like difficult opponent for us is McMaster for sure. Yeah, like Eric said, like McMaster, they've been the powerhouse of the OUA in volleyball anyway for, for years and years. But I think I'll kind of go off the tracks a little and say the most competitive matchup would be probably against uh, U of T. We have some really good games against them. There's all, they're always four or five setters, and you never know who's going to come out on top in those games. Those are To me, those are some of the funnest games. Playing against them, we kind of match up well. And, yeah, we have some pretty good battles with them. But, yeah, like Eric said, McMaster – They've been a powerhouse, but I think uh, next year we're hoping to knock them off. So, Other than that, I'd say on a personal level, Queens for me, just because my brother is a, he's on the coaching staff at Queens. So every time I get to play them, it's like, man, like this, this different kind of game happens where me and my brother are just so competitive with each other. And historically, I think we're, we've tied in a wins and losses between each other. So and I feel like we always have really good games whenever we play Queens. So we're always like pretty even in that sense. And it's nice to play against your family for sure. Yeah. The, the Queens games are, they're different because it's either they come into our home barn and we absolutely destroy them or we go to Queens <laughs> and we get absolutely ripped apart. So it's kind of, kind of different rivalry we got with them where you never know who's going to kick the other one's butt. And yeah, it's awesome. So team chemistry is super pivotal for sports, but unfortunately due to the season being canceled, we lost one of that, which would be the locker room. How have you guys been able to build team chemistry with the new guys on your team? I'd say like, well, we're uh, through like team workouts, like everything external and like practices, obviously I get to know the guys really well, but uh, no, we have like uh, a lot of like team workouts together where we like each bunch off into different groups and somehow those like get to, be with each other so like we're able to get to know the guys really well we always check up on them like we have our group chats and everything like they seem like really good guys too it's and like uh, a big thing for us is we have like a, a meeting at the start of the year it's about like like team bonding and everything and that's when we like open up to everyone else and uh basically like open up this like vulnerability area where you can like talk about how you feel like what's going on that kind of stuff and that that really like brings us together as a group and helps us like progress like get to know like what everyone's thinking like how you can talk to certain people on the team and everything and it, it really helps a lot in practices especially for sure and games as well so yeah i think just to kind of go on vulnerability and talking with people with the whole covid pandemics and situations like that we're able to we're not able to get into a big group as a team as often as we want outside of practices and whatnot. But I think a positive that I took out of it is being able to talk with uh, teammates like in smaller groups of two or three where you kind of get to really dig down and get to know one another. And I just I don't necessarily get that in like big team settings. You get it a little bit, but with smaller groups, you kind of really get to know, get to know a person and kind of have good conversations with them on a personal level. So. So in previous episodes, we've talked about, um, in terms of the student athlete experience, we've always talked, a lot of people have always said, you know, the locker room was like the best time for them. 
So with that being said, what aspect of the post-secondary student athlete experience has made it fulfilling for you and memorable? Uh, yeah, like, like you said, the locker room is a big one where you're in there whatever 45 minutes before practice, 45 minutes after practice. So it's an hour, hour and a half every single day that you're just with your teammates, hanging out, having a good time, whether you're kind of getting ready for your practice or just messing around and kind of talking, talking trash to one another, like we do all the time, me and Eric. But uh, yeah, those are, the locker room is definitely a place where you get a lot of bonding in and you don't really, you don't really feel it at first, but over the years, you kind of, especially now that we, we don't, we don't have that. <laughs> sorry we don't have access to the team room anymore and like it's a big part of our lives that hour every day that we're in there is you start to miss it once you once you don't have it uh, do you guys have any like you know favorite or memor most memorable moments in the locker room or <laughs> none that we can say on camera <laughs> <laughs> i think that just like every single like pregame routine that we guys have that we have like in the locker room we're just like blasting music and being stupid like we usually are I don't know it's just like that's something that I'm like not going to take for granted next year especially this year like we don't even have games and we can't do that so like that that's probably like my most favorite thing about game days is just like the locker room before it's just how like energetic it is and how crazy it is and our like our alumni now last year it's something like I'm never going to forget uh, Curtis McPherson, he'd always do these like weird speeches <laughs> before before all our games to like get us like laughing and like get us all loose, like uh, you know, like everyone would be all nervous and stuff. And Kurt would just come in like acting like a like the funniest guy, like with this weird Texan accent, <laughs> and, like make up this story or whatever. And he'd be so goofy and it just like get all the guys loose and ready to go. Like something I'm never gonna take for granted is like the locker room, like uh you know like the energy and everything before games like it's so nice macy talked about this earlier but i, I still want to ask compared from last year to this year do you think you guys are able to get to know the guys more now now there's no season and there's time to actually get to know someone compared to last year we have the locker room uh yeah i think we have we have a lot more time on our hands to kind of get to know each other like and hang out one-on-one -on -one. obviously with covid you can't hang out in ginormous groups but like i said being in small groups and kind of chatting, especially with online classes, we're not nearly as busy. Our practice schedule is a little bit slimmer this year. So there's a lot more time to kind of get to know one another and hang out outside of volleyball and outside of school. So I think that's that's one positive that I've taken out of the pandemic and kind of not taken for granted the time that I'm spending with the boys, so. What's the, what's the biggest word of advice you give to anyone who comes into the program, you know, being you know, senior or seniors in the team, like what's the biggest advice you give to the young guys? Uh, I think just you don't take anything for granted. Like, I don't mean Eric are in our fifth years and feels like I was 17 hopping in in my first year a month ago, right? So it flies by fast. So just enjoy every moment. Don't get too upset about the little things and enjoy playing volleyball because after five years, like a lot of us are done. We never play the game competitively again, right? So it's your kind of last kick at the can and you, you don't want to waste it. Yeah. Like everyone always says the same thing and like their last home game in fifth years, like it literally just goes by like that. Like it's so fast. So I would say same thing. Just don't take anything for granted. Like make the most of it. Like this is just basically like one of the best times of your life and it's going to fly by quick. So 
you know, do what you can to have the best time while you're here. What are you looking forward to for next season? Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on the court and playing some games. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been almost a year since we've played our last game. So we're kind of eager to get out and compete. I know we played some inner squad games against each other and that's pretty competitive, but it's just, it's not the same atmosphere as a real OUA game with fans and everything. Uh, you can't, you can't beat that. So I'm just looking forward to playing, competing and, hopefully winning an OUA championship next year. For sure, yeah. I'm gonna I'm really looking forward to that. Just having that atmosphere of like, that feeling of like, yes, we finally get to play a game again. Like, you know, that locker room atmosphere before and everything and walking like onto the court and it's just like blasting music. There's a ton of people in the crowd and it's just like such a crazy feeling to have. And I'm really excited to finally get to do that again, hopefully. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. So now we're going to switch topics. So this month of January 28th is Bella's Talk Day, one of, if not one of the most preeminent mental health campaigns in all of Canada. And this month on the Lakers Locker Room, we're focusing the conversation on mental health and how we can help continue the conversation. So Eric, I'm going to start with you. So just talk about where your passion for discussing mental health came from and why is it so important for you to be an advocate for the conversation? Uh, yeah, so mental health's always been something like, extremely important to me. Uh, it started actually back when I was in grade seven. Uh, something like really personal happened where it was super unexpected. Um, my One of my cousins who like got me into volleyball, uh, he lost his battle with mental health back on actually New Year's of 2010 uh so that just like shocked my entire family uh something that was never expected and it, it really took a toll on all of us and that was when like back even in grade seven i was so young like i just started to like get a huge dip and like didn't really want to do anything didn't want to do any like didn't want to play volleyball didn't want to go to school none of this like i was just so sad all the time and i realized like okay like you know, like mental health is super important. And uh, this is at like such a young age too. So it's something like I pride on, like not just myself, like my family as well. And like our whole team as well too. Like we, we really pride on like how important it is to like talk about how you're feeling and everything. And uh, like, that was a big thing for me back in the day was I wouldn't even like talk to anyone. I just like sit there and be silent and be sad with everything because of what happened and all that so uh what's super important and like everyone talks about this too is just like you need to you need to talk about it you need to be vulnerable like how we were saying before at like the beginning of the year we have like that or like our team building exercises where we like open up before to just be like as vulnerable as you can because then as you open up like it gets easier and easier to talk about things and it makes you feel better as well right and just having like knowing that like when people know that like, Hey, like you're not doing too well and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, uh, it's just so much better to know that like everyone around you is, is thinking about you and like they, they're trying to make you feel better, all this kind of stuff. Like, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's super important. And it's, uh, it's something that like it is being talked about a lot, but I, I feel like it should be talked about more because it also affects like performance on the court as well. Right. Performance, like in workouts and practices and games, all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you always need to be like 
on top of your own mental health, right? Like no one's more important as yourself, you know? So it's something that like, we like to talk about a lot and that uh, like our men's volleyball program, it's uh it's big for us. Like all our coaches as well, they have like open door policies where if you're feeling like you need to talk to someone about something, like our coaches are always there. Everyone, even on our team is always there. Like everyone knows how important it is to, to be happy with yourself and all this kind of stuff. So something we take pride in for sure. Yeah. Macy single, same questions go for you. Uh, yeah. So with mental health, I, I never really knew that much about it until I got to Nipsing university. I, I come from a really small blue collar town where it's kind of like you're, you're feeling down like you just got to push through kind of get over it kind of thing and there wasn't that much talk about mental health back in the day when i was living in my small hometown so when i came to nipsing university and kind of had that experience like eric talked about with our kind of team bonding and being vulnerable with each other and kind of letting things out like it really really shifted things for me and i kind of really started to understand what mental health was all about and how i can be a supportive person for people that might be going through that kind of stuff. Right. And obviously like I, everyone goes through ups and downs. I'm, I go through ups and downs all the time. Right. But as someone who doesn't necessarily struggle with mental health, I need to be available for people that might be struggling. And I'm always here to help a teammate out or listen or talk to them kind of thing. And I think it's really important to get the message out about mental health. And I think Nipsing university as a whole does it. <laughs> job of having resources for students like student accessibility services and whatnot student counseling and I think as a whole we do a really good job I know Lakers athletics really pushes mental health and how we can get the message out there the best we can using our platform right and I've tried to be a pretty big influence on that with the uh, student athlete athletic student athlete advisory committee sorry and we really focus on mental health, especially in January, where we're going to be working on some stuff this year. We did a big ballots talk day last year. And I think for me, it's just about supporting others and kind of getting the message out. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at. Like at Nipson University, I'm just, I'm just here trying to be supportive and doing the best I can to help others. So now both you guys mentioned um, like bottling up emotions. And I kind of feel, especially being a male athlete, um, it's big for, you know, growing up, hold it in. You got to be strong, you know, mentally tough, keep your things together, you know, just fight through stuff. But, you know, would you guys have anything to say for any of the young, younger, you know, high school male athlete viewers out there who are stuck in that same stigma of, hey, bottle it up, fight through it and, you know, don't go and get the support? Yeah, like for me personally, there's there's a tipping point, right? There's a certain point where you can bottle up your emotions and then at a certain point you, you got to let it out, right? And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned as a as a male athlete. I was always always told to just kind of bottle things in and push through and whatnot. And it kind of came actually my third year at university here. I was, wasn't having a very good time. I was struggling with off-court issues and whatnot and it got, finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to talk to somebody about this, right? So I went into student counseling, talked about it, kind of work, worked my way through it, right? And after whatever, a couple of weeks or a month, like, you're good, you're, 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 you're able to reset, right? And I think that's just the biggest thing is once you get to a certain point, it's, it's okay to let out your feelings and talk about it. And I think there's, there's no shame in that. There's, 
it's almost encouraged that in this society right so yeah i agree with me it's like uh it, yeah that always happens like it, you, especially when we were younger like i always had that where people would say like you know like being males and everything you, you need to like i don't know you're kind of made of stone like you, you're not supposed to like show emotions that kind of thing and all that emotions keep bottling up like you're just gonna you're gonna explode basically and it's just it's not gonna be good it's not gonna be a good scene uh but i had the same issue like last year i was having some difficulties and i did the same thing as mace like everything was just like building up like crazy and i didn't really know what to do so i went to counseling and same thing like just talking to someone like letting them know what's going on and just having them listen like it, it's so beneficial to to like bringing yourself up and that kind of thing like as even after like two sessions like i was feeling so much better about myself like it's just it's so important that people should talk about how they're feeling like you, you can't have that bottle up or else like something bad could happen you know it, it's it's really important for people to to talk about it and like for people to listen as well like it's good having other people around you knowing that like you got you got people that are there for you you know yeah and if i can add on that eric um for me personally it's it's not so much seeking for help or advice it's seeking for someone to listen right like you mm -hmm. said you go in to counseling for whatever two or three sessions and you, you just slide it all out you you tell them what's going on and honestly for me when i went it didn't really matter what they said it was just me allowing myself allowing to express myself and get everything on the table and like it takes it out of your brain and puts it away somewhere else and it, you make, it makes yourself feel a lot better, right? So listening yeah. is very important when we talk about mental health. Yeah, just venting to someone about anything that's on your mind, like just having them listen, just getting all that garbage out of your head, you know, like it, it's so beneficial to your health for sure. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot in the previous episodes about the power of social media and its prominence in today's society. The question I want to pose to you guys is, although social media has its benefits, it has its negatives. What do you think have been the biggest, the biggest misconceptions social media has portrayed to the public as it relates to mental health and how do we combat them? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, with mental health, I think, I think social media does a pretty good job of kind of getting the message out and putting it, putting mental health into perspective, right? Uh, social media has, like you said, a lot of negative and a lot of fake things out there. I think in terms of mental health, especially in Canada with the Bell Let's Talk movement and all that, I think they do a really good job of just laying out the facts and putting it all out there and not, not doing anything fake, not doing anything drastic, just, just putting it out there and letting people know that mental health is a real thing and it's something that if we work together, we can kind of combat that and kind of lower all the numbers and whatnot. So I think in terms of social media with mental health, I think, I think they do a good job for sure. Yeah. But to add on that, like, Nowadays, like everyone's on their phone all the time, right? So like uh, it's, it spreads so much awareness for sure for about mental health and everything. And, and now there's like, there's more professional athletes like stepping up, like there's Kevin Love and like DeMar DeRozan, like the two huge guys that just always pride on how important mental health is. And these are like, these are big name athletes too, right? And just giving out like statistics on like certain things like uh, like certain aspects of mental health you know like suicide rates depression like anxiety that kind of thing like it, it's really important to to spread the awareness of how like big of an issue mental health is like and like depression that kind of thing so that's one positive for sure about social media and, and mental health 
Yeah, and I think with, with social media, like, especially with mental health, they do a great job of, like I said, putting it out there. But at the same time, I think social media is one of the biggest factors of the increase in mental health that we've had in our society. And I know it's something that I'm trying to get away from is just random scrolling on whatever Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. Like it takes a toll on you when you're constantly looking and judging other people and all that stuff. Like it's not, it's not good for personal health. Right. And I think as a whole, we gotta, we gotta stray away from constantly being on our phones and constantly scrolling and judging people. And it's just, it's not good for our society. And I think if we can kind of stray away from that, you'll see, people be a lot more happier with themselves and with others. So for those who want to get involved in the conversation or help in any way they can, Eric, what are some type of things that they can do to do just that? Uh, same thing, like spread the message, like show how important mental health is and everything. And the big thing for me is like, just, just talking to people, like asking like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Like say like you go out to someone and maybe like they haven't talked to anyone in the past like week or something and they've just been down on themselves. Like it's so easy to just like talk to someone and ask how they're doing, how they're feeling. Like just for even like five minutes that can make someone's day and that kind of thing. Like you don't really know what anyone's going through. Right. So talking to people and like asking what they're feeling, like just like having a little conversation to, you know, like kind of open them up a little bit like that, that can really make someone's day. That's something I noticed like recently, like it's just talking to someone, especially nowadays, cause no one really gets to see anybody. Like everyone's stuck at home. So whenever you get the chance, like talking to people really helps for sure. Just having, having someone to talk to and just being there for somebody. I got a little story. So it was in my grade 12 year, we were doing the provincial volleyball championships in a small town, a few hours away. And so every year you get like a, a hostess. So somebody that kind of shows you around the school and make sure you're not getting lost or anything. So we had this girl, she was in grade nine or 10 and she was our hostess and she, she was very quiet and she was very nice. But so we, we got to spend the weekend with her and just kind of hanging out, talking, being nice. And we got to do a bunch of stuff like go for food and whatnot as a team. And so we ended up winning the, the championship and I get a text from her as we're going home and she says, Hey, like, I just want to thank your entire team for, for just being there for me. Like before this tournament, I was having some suicidal thoughts and whatnot, but you guys came into my life and just kind of, kind of made me realize that there's some good people out there and there's that people are supportive and nice. And she just wanted to thank us for, for doing that for her. And like, that just really hit me hard for me. That was way more important than winning a championship because you never know if we weren't there, like she might not be here anymore. Right. So it's a pretty, pretty crazy situation, but like, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to spend the weekend with her and maybe save her life. Right. So. Yeah. That's the thing. Like don't even know like the circumstances of what people are going through too. Right. So even just like talking to someone being goofy, like it, it just, it could really help out someone's day. Like, especially in Mason's case, like, that's crazy. Uh, just how like, you'd never know what people are going through and just saying like the smallest things to them could just save their life in a sense, you know? And that's another thing about social media too, is because when you, when you see someone post something you say, Oh, that's cool. But you never know what's going on in their life. Like everyone can put up a facade on social media saying that I'm okay. And my life is great. But then behind closed doors, they're a mess. So that's, I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about social media is that everyone thinks that 
whoever posts a picture, their life is okay and great and they have everything going for them, but you never really know what someone's going through until you talk to them. Exactly. That's like, that's all social media is now, basically. I feel like it's just like that. It's like a, a platform showing like your fake personality, you know, like it's something to portray yourself as like better than who you are because you want to know, you want people to think like, oh, this guy's sick or whatever. This guy's so cool from what he's posting on Instagram or that kind of garbage. Like it's basically, yeah, just like a facade, like what you said for people trying to portray a better image of themselves because they're worried about what other people think. And like, that's not really how things should be. I feel like, like, I don't think it's really beneficial to anyone <laughs> in my opinion, but. How big of a how big of a role do you think pressure from outside is playing role in mental health? Like a lot of people, like a lot of athletes, you know, who how are ranked and have all these expectations, sometimes crumble under the pressure because they can't live up to what people, like the the bar that people are saying for them. So just talk about you know how pressure can play a role in mental health for some people, especially for athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the biggest thing like for me as an athlete is to kind of kind of block out what people set out for me right people are going to set standards they're gonna be high they're gonna be low whatever they whatever they think of me right and the, the biggest thing is to just not care what other people think i know what i have to do i know my goals and that's i'm trying to reach those and i don't really care what other people think right so just kind of keep to myself i have personal goals our team has goals and we're going to work towards those as hard as we can and we're not going to worry about what other people think right i think that's that's a great way of dealing with pressure just kind of blocking it out and trying not to worry about it and just focusing on yourself right now what about for injuries for instance like I'll say myself my first year I tore my ACL and that was probably one of the most life-changing things that happened to me you know I almost had an identity crisis because like the athlete I used to be was no longer you know have you guys witnessed that with any of your fellow teammates with injuries or yourselves even uh, yeah, with myself in grade 10, I actually broke my leg playing volleyball. And at the time, it was like, am I ever going to play sports competitively again, right? I was playing at a pretty high level with volleyball and hockey. And yeah, it was, like you said, an identity crisis where it's like sports have been my life like since I was three years old. And now I might not be able to compete with my friends and teammates and whatnot. So that was that was a big one. And then actually at the start of last year. So I came off a third year where I wasn't playing very good. I wasn't in a good spot. And I kind of took the summer to kind of recuperate and I was really excited for the season. I ended up getting a concussion in training camp and I was out for two months and it was, it was pretty scary for me. It lasted, the concussion lasted two and a half months and I wasn't sure like if I was going to play that semester or anything like that, but I kind of turned it around and was able to, to play a bit. And yeah, it was scary for, for a while there and uh yeah it's just you gotta you gotta be positive when you're in those situations when you're injured and on the sidelines you just gotta take a positive attitude toward it towards it and hope for the best and work hard with physio and whatnot and hopefully you can get back out on the court yeah with uh, with my experiences so so last year um heading into the season we went to humber for a, a volleyball tournament uh, in preseason and ended up getting a concussion in our last game there. Uh, so I was out for a while. My, like, obviously it's just frustrating, like not being able to play not even be able to do schoolwork or anything. So you're just kind of stuck at home, like by yourself. And it's, 
so annoying. Like nowadays, it's, that's usually what life is. But at the time, it sucked. Um, so I finally got back to recovery, uh, playing, played a few games in like the first half. And when we went to Amsterdam last year, uh, on like the second day of the volleyball tournament there, uh, I, I got another concussion. So uh, we finished the tournament. Uh, these guys are out having the times of their lives <laughs> and I'm stuck at home in the hotel, like on new year's Eve in Amsterdam, like fireworks are going off like crazy. I got the biggest headache of my life. Uh, and I'm just stuck alone. And that just took like a huge hit. And I also had like an identity crisis as well. I was like, well, like, what is my luck? Like, this is garbage, you know? And, uh, had like bad grades after the first half because I missed a bunch of school from concussions and everything finally got better from a concussion and then while I'm supposed to be having like the trip of a lifetime with all my best friends like I get another conk and then couldn't do anything so it took a huge toll on my mental health at that time and that's kind of when I like when we came back and like things like weren't really getting better that's when I kind of needed to like like I took a moment and I was just like, I need to work on myself. I need to fix this. And then that's when I like went into counseling and I need to like talk to someone and like, just have like all everything that was in my head, just like let it out. I just needed to let all these things go. And once I finally did that, like I realized like, okay, like yeah, injuries suck, but like you just have to be patient because like you're going to make it back. Like the road to recovery is always better. And then once I realized that, that it's not going to like happen overnight or you're just going to get back into sport, like things just got way, way better right after that. Like I finally realized, okay, just like take it one day at a time and things got back and I eventually got like really a lot better and like really happy with myself after that. Yeah, quarantine was a time last year where I think it's safe to say for everybody, mental health was affected in some way, shape or form. So during that time, what were some things you guys were able to do to help yourselves get through this? And what advice could you give to other people from what you've learned from that experience to help other people in the future in case there's ever a time where they feel down? Uh, yeah, for myself, right at the start of quarantine last March, when this is all just starting up, I was able to quarantine with my family here. So that was a big boost for me where I was able to spend some quality time with my family, which I hadn't in a long time being up in Ontario. And so it was actually really good for me, kind of helped me get through it. But for people that might be going through quarantine alone or with maybe one, one, one other person, right, it, it can be really tough and it can have a toll on your mental health and you, you can kind of go a little crazy, right, if you're by yourself all day, every day for weeks on end. So I think, I think the biggest thing for me was just having a support group there and having family and just like we, we've been talking about mental health for the last little bit now and just having someone to talk to and listen to is kind of the biggest thing for for people in quarantine so yeah for me it was uh it was getting in a routine like uh at the start of quarantine like i was basically like i had no sense of routine at all i'd get up at any time i wanted like once school was done i was just like sitting on the couch playing video games and, like that was it basically uh but i did get to spend it with my family which was like amazing because that was a huge positive about it. Like I don't get to see my family too often. And like, we all were in the same place for, it was like five months or something. It was awesome getting to see everyone. But uh, yeah, one thing was getting in a routine, like trying to get up early and like have that whole day planned out. 
and reducing screen time was like huge for me like instead of just sitting on the couch like watching tv sitting on your phone on instagram blah blah like all that stuff like i just tried to like get up and like move around like help out my mom with cooking like i don't know, make fun of my brother that kind of stuff like just goof around try and like make light of the situation and yeah stay off your screen for sure like that was huge speaking of a uh, screen time so while uh, everyone was in quarantine we had a we had a team zoom call and we were just talking we had got on the topic of screen time and one of my teammates was like oh yeah like i've been on my phone like all day and my coach was like well pull up your screen time he's like yeah, I got 17 hours of screen time today. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. Insane. Like, oh, it was brutal. Yeah, that was crazy, though. Yeah, tying it back to our earlier conversation, we talked a little bit about how social media could put up a facade. So, knowing what you guys know about mental health, are there any signs for the listeners who are listening right now and the people that don't know? Are there any signs that you guys can see in a person to say that they're down or they need someone to talk to? Like, uh, yeah, for myself, like, I can tell, like, with my teammates, if they're, if they're down or being happy or whatnot. Um, it's pretty, especially like, when we had access to the locker room, you go in there, and you see everyone walk in, right? And you can tell right away if they're, if they're on or if they're off, if they're in a good mood, bad mood kind of thing. And like, all a lot of the signs for me, uh, especially with our team, because we have a, we have a very talkative group, like, if someone like maybe we'll say Eric, for example, if he walks into the team room and he's got his head down and he's not talking, well, it's pretty clear that he's not having a great day because usually he's smiling and being an idiot and screaming at people. So I think the biggest thing for me is just physical signs, right? If they're looking down at the ground, not looking at anybody, not talking, like those are some pretty big signs for me. Yeah, one big thing for me too, like talking about like, I guess social media, like we have like a bunch of different group chats within our team and stuff. So I can tell, like, I, I know how, now I'm at the point where I know how everyone is on our team. So if like, I notice like someone's not talking, like not sending messages to our group chat or whatever, or even like zoom calls, like we have weekly zoom calls with our team. And I can tell like, if someone's just like head down like this and their zoom call all the time or something, like, you know, that guy's going through something or whatever. So you just send them like a text or whatever, and they don't reply for, what 10 hours four hours at a time or something like i feel like something's going on there like that's a big sign for me is when like someone's usually super talkative or texty i guess and they end up just like going silent for a bit and like either they're busy or they're staying off their phone which is like good or like something's going on so i always like to check up on those guys and see how they're doing uh so this is something like you can even walking down the halls of the athletic center and seeing someone like you always walk by people and maybe have awkward eye contact with them or something and like just a simple smile and a head nod or just saying hi like that could that could change somebody's entire day right so it's important to carry that positivity throughout campus throughout your daily life and because like like i said one smile or one wave could make a person's day and make them feel a lot better about themselves so What would be the best way to approach a situation like that in terms of if you see that somebody's down, like, do you go up to them and talk to them? Do you, you know, tell someone that, hey, this, I see this person's not, is going through something like, what would be the best way to approach a situation like that? Yeah, I like, in that sense, I, I always like try to say like, hey, like, what's up? Or like, start a little conversation if, if I know, like, these guys look like they're down or whatever. 
and like I'll, I'll say like hey like what's up or anything and if I know like they're like trying to shy away from the conversation and, and start leaving then I know like hey, this guy just wants to be with himself like that's fine but like I'll check up on him later something like that see if he's ready to talk at some other point uh but yeah like just saying like hey like how are you doing like how are things going and then just have them like try and like talk on that note and just see like what they got to say for themselves like what what's going on in their lives kind of thing and then you can just like build up a conversation from that if if they're ready to talk for sure yeah with our with our team like we're we're all very cohesive we're very close so when i see a teammate that's down like i like to maybe crack a little joke or maybe bring something funny up that happened last week or something like that because especially with our team we're we're a bunch of jokesters we like we're a bunch of idiots just kind of hanging out with each other making stupid comments and whatnot so if you can get if you can get guys that aren't feeling very well back into that rhythm of being talkative and joking around like i think that's the best thing to bring them into their comfort zone again right with the team in terms of people that maybe you're not as close with like eric said maybe just give them a text and be like hey like what's up i notice you're kind of feeling down or whatever like just let them know that you're there to listen and talk to them i think that's one of the biggest things for people that you're not necessarily super close with. From everything we've talked about today, what is the one message you want people that are listening to this conversation to take away from this? Uh, I'd say like, don't be afraid to uh, to talk about how you're feeling. Like we always like say like vulnerability is power. Like that that's like the big message from our team is uh, being vulnerable and like being open about your feelings is like, is that's like the next step to like being happy and uh, being able to talk to someone and like vent about how you're feeling, like just having someone listen to you and having someone like hear what you have to say, like it is huge. And I, I just like, I don't know, I like, I can't stress that enough is like, it's so important to, to talk and be open and to be like with someone that's like, you're comfortable with talking to like that. That's like, once you like get all of that out of your system, it's, you're going to feel like 10 times better. I, I guarantee that. Yeah, and just to add on what Eric said, I think the biggest thing for me is to have someone that's willing to listen. I'm fortunate enough to have a close family that I can talk to, have teammates, friends that I can talk to. And if everybody had at least one person that they could talk about their feelings and have them just listen is so huge for mental health. I know there's some people out there that don't feel comfortable talking about that stuff with anybody. And if they just found one person that they could talk to and feel comfortable about them listening to what they have to say would do major, major things for people. So I think the biggest thing from what I've learned about you guys in this episode is that it's okay to not be okay. Like you don't have to put up a facade and act like everything's a okay. Like it's okay to say, Hey, today I feel off. Like, let's say I'm not feeling so great. Like I need to talk to someone, but I feel like sometimes people always think they have to put up a facade or put up a, a front that they're okay. Like, you don't always have to be okay. Like, there's no shame in saying, hey, I need someone to talk to. And that's the thing about society is that society puts up all these stereotypes saying that for men, for example, that they have to be strong and they have to, you know, show no emotions. Like, hey, if you shed a tear, like, it's okay. Like, if you feel off, it's okay. Like, there's no shame in talking to somebody. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from you guys in this episode. Jason? Yeah. Communication, for sure. And being an athlete at Nipson University, I can speak for it. When you're walking down the hallway, you see the volleyball guys. You guys are definitely the most social and, like, coherent group there is. 
and it's like without a doubt anybody can tell like all of you guys are close so I think a lot of more a lot more people and a lot more teams they do adapt to that and again you know be coherent and just you know communicate with each other yeah absolutely nobody's perfect individually right but if we can all come together and help each other out that's that's one of the biggest things with our team we're we're a lot stronger as a team than individuals right and if one person's feeling down it's everybody else's job to kind of help lift them up if possible so that's kind of kind of what we take in as a team that we're a group we're cohesive and we're in it together so Anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for talking with us about mental health and your stories. We really appreciate it. But it's not over yet, though, so we're going to have some fun here. Once again, we're bringing back our quick hitter segment. So this is the part of the podcast where we ask the guests a question and they have to answer as fast as possible. So, Jason, you have the answers? You have the questions ready? I mean, one sec. I'm just popping them up right now. Get them in order. Oh, here we go. All right, I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Okay. First question. Favorite artist? Bob Marley. Morgan Wallen. So what's one artist or song that you have on repeat the most? <laughs> Damn, I have a lot of songs on repeat. Uh, I'd say Sad People by Kid Cudi right now. We're going to go with Seven Summers, Morgan Wallen. <laughs> All those guys from Saskatchewan. Jesus. <laughs> All-time favorite album? Damn. Uh, Mace, you go first. I got to think. I got a lot. Of I'm go with, uh, Dark Horse Nickelback. Okay. That's that's an OG. <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah. Honestly, okay, just like Motley Crue Greatest Hits has been a huge one for me recently. It's not like an album, but this is the greatest hits by Motley Crue. Fair enough. There's a big one on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who's your guys' favorite athlete? Bron James. Or Tiger Woods. I'll say Tiger Woods, actually. The big Usain Bolt fan. Okay. I respect, though. That's, that's, those are unique. Most people that we've had, they pick same sport athletes. So that's okay. okay. Next question. Team that annoys you the most or whose fans annoy you the most? So it can be a pro team or in the OUA. <laughs> uh, I got to say <laughs> Guelph, men's volleyball. <laughs> and Guelph, their fans. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's a... That's just huge for us. Like every time we go there, we get a beating from the like from the crowd. Oh yeah, their uh, their entire football team stands behind their service line and just chirps the crap out of us when we're going to serve. Yeah. And, uh, first year we played them in playoffs, and I was just it was in, in between a timeout. I wasn't playing, just a young rookie. And I was just playing pepper with one of my buddies during a timeout. We're right beside their football team, and they're just giving it to us. And we're not even playing. We're not even in the game. And they're just chirping the crap out of us. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I hate that environment. I love that environment, but I hate that environment. <laughs> okay, if you could spend uh, the whole day with one person dead or alive, who is it? Probably Bob Marley, honestly. I played. Okay, this question is super personal for me. So, Eric, I'm asking you first. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? Hell yeah, I like pineapple. Yes! <laughs> yes! Man. Yes! My guy, oh, yes! I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> you too? Yes! Oh, eh? uh, no. Yes. This, this one is going to be the game changer, though. Uh, Tejan does this one, too. It's a personal one for him. Do you guys do milk before cereal or cereal before milk? What? No. Cereal before milk. 
cereal before milk. No, that's that's yeah. psychopath. If you put milk before cereal, that's weird. Yeah, that's that's Hey, John. <laughs> hey, hey, they like pineapple on the pizza, so hey, I'm good. <laughs> Last show you binge watched? Uh, what did I binge on? Hey, school. I can't remember. What was it? Uh, I just finished Prison Break on Netflix. Great series. Unreal. Oh, okay. Weird one. I watched it. It's called Alien World on Netflix. It's actually cool as F, but my <laughs> It's cool. All right, Xbox or PS4? PS4. PS4. One skill, one skill you wish you were good at. Can I just say basketball? Is basketball a skill? <laughs> yeah, if you want. That's I suck. I wish I was good at basketball. Skill I was good at. I could go basketball because I'm absolutely terrible at it. But uh, I wish I could dunk. Like I can't dunk. I'm six foot two and I still can't dunk. It's actually. That's not true. Remember, we got we have a video of Mason on our Instagram dunking oh. volleyball. I mean, was it was a little rim, but it was a dunk. There's no way that was a ten foot rim. <laughs> no, probably like nine and a half, but it's a dunk. It counts. It still looks sick. Though. It looked pretty good. I'm not gonna I, lie. Can, I can attest. Once you know how to dunk, it's fun. Oh yeah. All right. One word to describe 2020. Garbage. Opportunistic. That was a great, <laughs> great word. Who do you got winning the NBA championship? Yeah, I want to say Raptors, but I think it's Lakers back to back. I gotta be like Canadian boy. We gotta get Raptors in there, but it's, it's a hard to go hard to go against the Lakers. But just because Eric picked them, I'm gonna pick the Nuggets underdogs. <laughs> yeah, that's a good pick. See what happens. They were close last year. They're not looking good right now, but they got. I think it's gonna be a Lakers or Nets. Nets are looking nice right now. It is early, but I think the Nets are looking nice. KD looking dangerous, I can't lie. Yeah, he is. He's nice right now. Same with Kyrie. That's a good duo. Yep. Funniest teammate. Tough one. I don't know. All of us are like stupid funny. So <laughs> I would say like I'm gonna I'm gonna switch that to like weirdest teammate. Because I guess that's like <laughs> the funniest. I'd probably it'd be a tie between Jeremy Murray and uh Jackson Young. And maybe Liam too. <laughs> I'd put those three in there. I, uh, my funniest teammates, they they go as a group. They're more funny in a group, and that's Eric and Liam. <laughs> they're mixed together. The things they do are just messed up. The things they say, <laughs> yeah, they're they're the funniest when they're together. So if you guys will say we're in a completely different timeline, you know, alternate universe, what would you guys be doing if it wasn't volleyball? Okay, I had this uh, conversation with Tyrus on our team. Uh, I would definitely go back to the 1980s, and be a professional skateboarder, because it was like so cool at that time. I think okay. it's that'd be sweet, and like all the music was sweet back then too. So, okay. Okay. yeah, if I could go, if I was in an alternate universe, I think I would want to be on the Canadian Olympic hockey team. I think that was always a dream of mine growing up, playing for the World Juniors, playing for Team Canada at the Olympics. That's what I would want to be in a different world. And final question, plans after Nipissing? For me, I hope uh, eventually I go to med school. Uh, and like, it'd be, I think it'd be really fun to play professional volleyball. I don't know if that'd be in the picture for me. Like maybe it's like a, if like I have the opportunity, 
but uh, that would be a really cool thing like going to europe and amsterdam last year like watching the whole like european volleyball scene it is like so cool so we've like always talked about like i know like me liam and mason we've always had this like dream of playing in uh in in the netherlands like after we went there and like that would be so cool if we could all go there and play i think so yeah i think like eric said the possibility of playing professional volleyball uh it's definitely a possibility that i could take advantage of uh if not then i'm looking into international teaching after my teaching degree for a year just to get some experience travel the world see what happens and then after that start my teaching career somewhere else so what what would be your ideal location uh i've looked at uh like Southeast Asia, they have lots of opportunities out there, which would be pretty cool. And I also looked at Central America as well. Somewhere warm, somewhere different than Canada. Anyways, that's all the time we have, guys. So Eric, Mason, thank you guys so much for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us, guys. That was fun. All right, that's a wrap at another edition of the Lakers Locker Room. I want to thank our guests, Eric and Mason, for joining us. You can catch the video of this interview on YouTube. Listen to the full interview on all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you.